And now we'll go to God's Word this morning. And as you know, we've been doing this series for the last number of weeks that I've called Coping with Coronavirus. And even as the whole world is gripped in this unprecedented crisis and uh, lockdown and pandemic and everything else, we've been talking about issues that are important and relevant during this time. Uh, We've talked about anxiety and loneliness and waiting and fear and how to deal and find strength in suffering. And of course, these are topics that are important and relevant not only during this time, but all the time. And uh, just this morning, we got the the news that one of uh, my wife Carissa's friends in California, her father suddenly passed away and he was driving down the street there where Carissa used to live in in California and a car speeding comes at something like 150, 160 kilometers an hour and uh, rams into the car uh, that this this, uh, friend's father was driving and and he's uh, passed away and tragedy, suffering, hardship, all of these things Uh, can happen in an instant at any time, pandemic or no pandemic, lockdown or no lockdown. And so all of these things are so important for us to be talking about and to really understand and grasp. And uh, this morning, I want to actually end the series. And I didn't want to finish this series uh, without talking about the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, and this is Jesus himself speaking on the topic of worry. Uh, And this is, in fact, the, the longest passage in the whole Bible on worry, straight from Jesus's lips. But, you know, even more than that, I really think that Jesus gets to the heart of of everything we've been talking about uh, in these last number of weeks, and he kind of summarizes and encapsulates so many of these ideas that have come up over and over again uh, so beautifully. And so I wanted to end uh, this series with uh, this passage. And so I hope you have a Bible, and um, this is Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to start in verse 25. If you don't have a Bible, if you're joining us uh, new uh, this morning, it's nice to have you. And perhaps you can just look on your phone or even uh, on the computer. Uh, Yeah, you can look up BibleGateway.com or BibleHub.com or just even put in Matthew 6 on Google and you'll you'll get it. Um, So let me read this for us. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. It says, Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor 
was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so over and over again in these verses, Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Why are you worrying? Don't worry. Jesus is saying over and over and over again, we don't have to worry. We can actually live a worry-free life. That's what Jesus is is implicitly promising here. And, And by the way, Jesus is not talking about a carefree life or a planning-free life. A carefree life or a planning-free life would not be good things, but he is talking about a worry-free life. And Jesus gives us uh, four principles, four main things, I think, in these verses that uh, can help us to to get there. I I think this is an amazing thought and probably a, a completely almost unbelievable thought for many of us here, a life without worry. How is that possible? Jesus shows us how it's possible. So four things, mainly. Uh, Let's quickly look at these this morning, and I'll have them on the screen. Again, Jesus says, don't worry. Why? First of all, worrying doesn't help. Worrying doesn't help. If you look with me at uh, verse 27, look what Jesus says here. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Good question. Can we, by worrying, add a single hour? And I just did some quick calculations uh, in the last few days, and it seems to me the average person will live uh, approximately seven lakhs of hours in their life. Okay, seven lakhs of hours. That's a lot of hours. Now, just think about what Jesus is saying here. If, can we, by worrying, make the span of our life seven lakhs and one hour? Right? Does worrying have the power to do that? No, of course not. In fact, studies have shown the very opposite, that anxiety, stress, worry actually reduce and sometimes even drastically and significantly reduce our, our life expectancy. Right? Worrying doesn't, just does not help. In fact, you know, during this lockdown... Teresa and I have been watching this kind of documentary series on Netflix, and I'm not like a very big fan of Netflix or TV, believe it or not. 
Um, but uh, we have been watching this series, and I think a lot of people have been watching this, from what I can tell. It's called The Last Dance, and you can check it out if you want, um, if you have Netflix. And it's basically about Michael Jordan, and I've kind of enjoyed this because it's taken me back to my uh, growing up days in Canada when Michael Jordan was basically the king of uh, not only basketball, but uh, North American sports. And sometimes it felt like the king of the world uh, back in the, the 90s. And Michael Jordan, of course, won so many championships and, and everything else. And he was famous. One of the things he was famous for was making these last second shots that won games. And in that documentary, in, at one point, they, they asked Michael Jordan, even a young Michael Jordan, uh, when he was just coming up, uh, do you ever get nervous when you're called on to make that last shot with the championship and the whole you know, nation is watching? Do you ever get nervous uh, in that kind of situation? And of course, Michael Jordan says, no. And then he adds this line that Chris and I uh, noticed and we're talking about afterwards. He says, I'll catch this. Why would I be worried about a shot that I haven't even taken yet? Hmm. Good question. Why would I worry about a shot that I haven't even taken yet? You know, it's something uh, interesting to think about. We're worried about, most of the time, we're worried about things that haven't even happened yet. And frankly... Isn't it true that most of the things that we worry about are, are not even going to happen? Right? The likelihood of them happening is, is actually pretty small. Why would we worry about a shot or an event or a person or a circumstance that hasn't even happened yet? And not only that, you know, not only, does, uh, not only well, is there a small chance that these things are going to happen in the future, but you know, worrying actually makes the current situation so much worse and so much more difficult, so much more challenging, so, so much more miserable. It doesn't add a, a single hour to our lives. It, it, it makes the seven lakhs that we already have of hours even that much more miserable. If you'll remember a few weeks ago, I talked about each one of us have this zone of control. Do you remember me saying this? Right, This zone, you can think of it like a circle, and, and everything in this circle, I have at least some measure of control over the things in this zone. By God's grace, I can do something about things that are in this zone. And these, the things that are in the zone, in the circle, are not usually the things that I get worried about. Right? And in fact, a little bit of fear, a little bit of nervousness for things in this zone is actually often a good thing. If I'm procrastinating or if I've been putting something off, you know, a little bit of nervousness, a deadline is approaching or, oh, I need to do this. You know, that, that, that feeling is actually a good thing. It gets me up. It gets me going to do it, right? But the problem is that most of life is not in that, is not in this zone. It's, it's, it's not in our control. We can't do anything about it. And those are the things that we are worried about, that we're anxious about, that we're, that we're losing sleep over, and our mind is going into overdrive about, and hyperdrive, and over-turbo gear. And my mind is revolving in a million revolutions, 
uh, a minute, right? Things that are out of my control, and 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 yet the the the, the thing is that these are exactly they're out of our control, right? I can't do anything about it. And in and, and the worry sometimes makes me feel like I'm I'm actually doing something, but it's you know like I might have said before, it's it's like revving the engine of the bike or, or revving the engine of, of the car when the car is still on neutral. There's a lot of noise and there's a lot of smoke, but no movement. Right? And that's what that's what worry is, is like. It robs us of our sleep, it robs us of our joy, it makes us this peaceful abundant life that God has created us to live, that Jesus died for us to live. It makes it impossible. And frankly, worry even makes a person miserable and difficult, uncomfortable to be around. Isn't that true? Right? As much as we try to mask it and cover it up and pretend like things are normal, it might even, we might even uh, think that things are, are normal, but you know, people around us can sense it. It's challenging to be around somebody who you you sense though they're kind of anxious and they're kind of troubled about this or right? that's the first thing that Jesus wants to tell us this morning. Worrying doesn't help. Second thing, good news. And this is really the heart of the passage uh, here. God loves to provide. Jesus is telling us over and over again in different ways, God loves to provide. God loves to provide. And this is, I think, the big difference between a a follower of Christ and everybody else in the world. If you just think about it again, like I said, you come back to that analogy or that idea of the zone of control Right? For, for the average person out there in the world, if something is not in their zone of control, literally it's out of control. That's, that's the only category that they have. It's either in their control or it's out of control. And naturally, people are going to worry and they're going to be consumed and controlled by worry. But for us who know God and as Jesus tells us here, he is our heavenly father, right? We know it's not, if something is not in, in our zone of control, it's not out of control. It's in God's control. And that's exactly what Jesus tells us. If you uh, look at verse 31 in this passage again, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. This is people who don't know God, right? They're worried, consumed, obsessed with all of these things. But look what it says at the end of verse 32. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. God knows what we need. He knows what we need. He provides exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. And by the way, if you notice, it doesn't say God 
provides all of our wants or all of our desires. He provides all of our needs. He knows all of our needs. And I was just thinking about this again these last few days. God knows, knew your needs. He knew my needs even before the creation of the world. Just think about that. 10 million years ago, God knew exactly where you and I would live. Our house, our family, the number of years we would be living, the total income that we would make in the course of our lifetime. He knew every single need that we would have at every single moment of every day. He's been in control of everything since the beginning. And this God, he loves us. He's in control. He's powerful. Jesus says that he is your heavenly father. If you look back at verse 26, It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Now that that is an amazing analogy. If you just think about it, and I'm sure many of us have read this passage many, many times. But just think about this. Think about the birds. Right? Birds don't have any money. (laughs) Isn't that an amazing thought? Birds don't have money. They're not carrying around little bills on, in their beaks. They don't have bank accounts. They don't have cupboards or fridges. Every single day, God provides for every single bird in the world. Every day, God provides for them. And Jesus says, how much more valuable are we than birds? How much more does our heavenly father love us than he loves birds? Right? And, and, and not only does, does Jesus say here that he's going to, that God is going to provide our bare necessities or our bare needs. If you look ahead to uh, verse 28, Jesus used another, another analogy. Verse 28 says, And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, And tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? You know, I think Jesus goes even beyond the birds analogy here, saying he doesn't just provide for our needs, but you just think about flowers. And like Jesus says here, flowers, if you just think about it, are is basically grass. It's a fancy kind of grass. It's here today, it's gone tomorrow, and yet even the plainest, most simple flower just growing in the wild, in some field or in some plot, empty plot somewhere, even the most simple flower is dressed more beautifully 
and probably even smells more fragrant than the, the, the most famous prince or princess or actor or actress or celebrity in the world, literally. And this is grass that is here today and gone tomorrow. And if God clothes grass like this, can we just take this to heart <laughs> this morning? How much more God loves to give even lavishly to his children. Again, not always exactly what we want or when we want it, but God knows what we need. He loves to provide. And yet, if, you know, if the question comes to our minds, yeah, that's fine, and God has provided for me, and I uh, appreciate that right now. But in this kind of situation, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, and you know, these are things that are happening in our world. These things are happening in our family and in my company. What if this happens or that happens? And Jesus has an answer for this also. And I love this point. This is the third point. Jesus says, third thing, God will help when the time comes. God promises to help us when the time comes. Just look with me at, at verse 34. And this is a, actually a very profound thought if you just think about it. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And basically, very profound, if you just think about what Jesus is saying here. Basically, Jesus is saying that God gives us enough reserve of strength, of grace, of wisdom for what we need today. Let me say that again. God gives us enough of a reserve of strength and wisdom and grace for what he knows we need today. And the problem comes that we drag tomorrow's problems into our today. And what Jesus is saying here is that God will give you the strength for tomorrow's problem. When will he give us, give us the strength and the wisdom and the grace for tomorrow's problem? He'll give it to us tomorrow. Today, he's giving us the strength, the wisdom, the grace, the power, the endurance, the patience, the hope, the peace, everything that we need for today. When tomorrow comes and when that happens, God will give us the strength for that. And let me just read this little passage. Listen to what someone has said. And I, I just love this. This person says, sometimes we say, I don't know what I'll do if my husband dies. Or like Carissa's friend. I don't know what, what I'll do if, if my father dies. Right? You don't know. Anything can happen at any time. And yet this person says, I don't know what, you don't know what you'll do if your husband dies, your father dies, so on. But you will when the time comes. 
When my, somebody says, when my children leave the house, I don't think that I can take it. This person says, it won't be easy, but strength will arrive when the time comes. The key is this. Meet today's problems with today's strength. Don't start tackling tomorrow's problems until tomorrow. You do not have tomorrow's strength yet. You simply have enough for today. Did you get that? God gives us enough of a reserve of strength, wisdom, grace, and everything that we need for today. When tomorrow's problem comes, God promises to give us what we need to tackle that problem tomorrow. It seems overwhelming to us today because God hasn't given us the strength for for tomorrow, today, yet, right? And so this, again, doesn't mean that we don't plan for the future. We don't think that we don't work and, and save up or all those kinds of things. But it does relieve us, doesn't it? Right? God's promise is tomorrow he will give us the strength to face the problems of tomorrow. We don't have to be consumed with all of the what-ifs and all the worst-case scenarios right now god will give us the strength for that when the time comes okay and so this all leads us to the last point that jesus makes and i think this is kind of the heart ultimately of what jesus is saying for us fourth thing focus on god and he will take care of the rest We've got one main job in life to focus on God. Jesus says God will take care of the rest. If you look at Matthew chapter 6 here, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you at the right time, in the perfect way, in God's timing. He's our heavenly father who loves us. He will provide. Our job is to focus on God, to seek God, as Jesus puts it here, to seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. Jesus promises as we do that, all these things, everything that you need will be provided. Our main job, we've got one primary job in life, seek God, focus on God. You know, another way that we can say it is worry about your relationship with God. There's really one thing that we need to be worrying about, and that is God. His kingdom, his righteousness, that's what we need to be consumed by, controlled by, obsessed with. God says he will provide everything else when we need it, at the right time. And it, and it just makes sense if you just think about it again, right? If you have any uh, 
child, say, or an employee that works for you, or some servant, some maid, or whoever it might be, and you see that they are putting your needs first, that they are diligent, that they're faithful, that they're doing their best to serve you, to please you, right? You make sure that that person is well provided for, that they've got everything that they need, that they're taken care of. You can't lose that person. You want to retain that person. You want to keep that person happy just at a very human level, right? And, and isn't it so much more true with God, right? And when we give everything to God, we surrender ourselves to God, we love God, we're seeking God, we're crazy about God, we're putting Him first in everything, seeking His will, seeking His righteousness. God, would, can you just imagine God saying, Aha! Yes, I've got you now. And now I'm going to make your life miserable and I'm going to torture you. Right? Could you just, it just doesn't even make sense. Right? God says, oh, my child, you're seeking me. You're putting me first. You love me. You want to do my will. You want, you're seeking my kingdom and my right. I am there for you. I will tilt the whole universe to make sure you have exactly what you need, when you need it, I'll move heaven and earth literally for you as you seek me first. And by the way, let me just point out another thing about this passage that, that came to me. You know, I've, I've studied this passage many times. I've read this passage many times. I've preached on this passage many times, but... This was really the first time this week in these last few days that I realized that Jesus here is not talking about luxuries. He's not talking about vacations or some kind of fancy entertainment, right? He's not talking about luxuries. What is Jesus talking about here? He's talking about food. He's talking about clothing, He's talking about the necessities, the basics of life. This week, I got a chance to go out uh, with some people from our church and with LifeTree Foundation to provide uh, food or just to serve food just for a few, a little while actually, um, to people who need food here in, in Gurgaon. And that was a good experience to be a part of that. And... You know, people who are very poor, people don't have food to eat, literally, coming barefoot. These are the kinds of people that Jesus is talking to here. He's talking about the basic necessities of life. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about those. God knows God will provide. Right? And, and it just reminded me to think about that again, how radical Jesus' message is and how far off the mark we are so often. Right? We just don't live like this, dependent on God for every single thing. And that really brings us to the critical question. And I think this question has been coming to us in different forms, in different ways, week after week after week in the last number of weeks, and that is this. 
do I really believe in God? Isn't that the basic fundamental question again and again and again and again? Do I actually believe in God? The core issue is faith. Do I trust God? Do I really believe that he loves me in my situation with my need and my issue, my problem? My, do I really believe that God is there, that he's real, that he's alive, that he's concerned about me? And I think worries and, and emotions like worries, somebody said that emotions are basically signs Right? They signify what's actu- what I actually believe, what's really actually my, my, the core of what's going on inside of my heart. I have all kinds of official beliefs and a lot of theoretical beliefs. Of course, I believe that God loves me, that God is there, that he's powerful, that he provides. Of course, yes, 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 yes. But my emotions and especially my worries might be telling me a very different story. And they're actually telling me the truth. Right? Regardless of what I say I believe, right? and my emotions, my, and especially my, my anxieties, my fears, my worries, are telling me what is actually going practically, actually, really, in my heart, in my life. I say I believe, but I don't actually trust. I don't actually believe. I don't actually have faith in God. And so, what do we do about it? What should I do? And I think that Jesus gives us everything that we need here in this very passage. Basically, and I I just want everybody to hear this now and kind of absorb this, get this into your heart this morning, please. Jesus tells us The antidote, the solution to worry and all of these kinds of emotions related to to worry is that we need to get certain truths about God, about the world, about ourselves deep inside of us. That's it. We need to get these truths inside, into our hearts, so they actually affect us. These are, this is real. This is true. Right? These are facts. This isn't chanting, stretching, yoga, deep breathing, all of those things that everybody in the world talks about. If you've got stress, you've got anxiety, you've got worry, do these four things or these steps half an hour a day. Right? It, it, it's fine until you actually get up and go back into the real world and, and everything hits you. Uh, Again, this is not like that. This is truth that we can build our lives on. Our job is to get it inside, to preach it to ourselves, to pound it inside my heart until I actually believe it. Or another way that I like to think about it, till it becomes like the operating system in my brain, the framework, you know, like the Android, the, the Mac OS or the Windows or whatever, of my brain, of my life, of my heart. This is how I think about everything. Everything is built on these truths. And so let me break it down for you very, very practically, as practically as I, as I possibly can. How do I do this? 
What should I do now? I would say fix a time every day. I hope you've got a time already that you spend with God, reading the Bible, topical meditation plan that we had given out earlier this year. And this can be done with that or apart from that, but fix a time, especially if you are today or in these days, or even if you're not struggling with worry, fix a time. What do you do in that time? First thing, sit down, take a deep breath. Identify what is concerning you. What is going on inside of my heart? And honestly, for me, maybe for many people here, maybe men especially, I'm not sure, but this is sometimes the hardest thing. Identifying what is going on inside of my heart. What is concerning me? What is worrying me? What is bothering me? The more specifically I can pinpoint it, the better it's going to be. Next thing, express your concerns to God one by one. We talked about this earlier. As Paul says, present your request to God. Think of that basket that's in front of you. One by one, you take what's in your heart and you unburden, you surrender it to God. You put it into that, that basket. Right? I'm, I'm concerned about my job. I'm concerned about my child. I'm concerned about our future. I'm concerned about my health or my parents or whatever it might be. One by one. Well, it's going to take a little bit of time. Right? Express your concerns to God. And finally... I'd say just start here. Meditate on today's points. Slowly, one by one. What are, the, what are today's points? Again, one, one more time. Worrying doesn't help. God loves to provide. God will help. Jesus promises when the time comes. I need to focus on God. He will take care of the rest. Just start right here. These four things. I can basically guarantee you, based on the power of God's word and Jesus' promises here, that if you can get this into your heart, if you can get this into your mind, if this can become the operating system of your brain, the basic framework out of which you live, just these points themselves, it will transform your life. It really will. Maybe not over, not overnight, but in one month, two months, three months, six months, you will see the difference. And this is basically how the Christian life works. We get the truth of God's word into our hearts. And the Holy Spirit takes it And he begins to renew us and change us and transform us. He takes that truth. He makes it burn inside of us. He makes it alive. And now suddenly 
I'm different. Right? And if you start that today, if you're a worrier, and even better if you're not, right? We don't know when tragedy is going to strike, when problems are going to come. Everything might seem okay right now, but like someone has said, when the floods come, it's too late to learn how to swim, right? You build this into your heart and your mind. Start with these points, you know, study the, just think about the passage. When I say meditate, it just means turn it over in your mind. Apply it to your heart. Apply it to that concern that you're facing. You'll see a difference, especially over time. I, I just really, really want to encourage you. Right? God has provided a way for us to live in peace. To be able to cope with not only coronavirus, but whatever life might throw at us. Jesus shows us the way right here in this passage. The question is, are we going to now take the time to take these truths, not just hear them, right, but actually to get them inside? If I'm still a worrying person, I'm still anxious, I'm still fearful, right, I'm still impatient, right? The, the truth still needs to sink deeper. And for all of us, the truth can still sink deeper question is, am I going to take the time, put in that little effort to, to get it in? I do that on a daily basis. It will change me. And so why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. Maybe we can begin even now this morning just to take these, these very same points and I'll Share them on the screen one more time. What does it mean for you to get these truths, these realities, these facts, these promises into your heart? How does it begin to affect the worries, the anxiety, the fears that you are struggling with right now. And perhaps even more important in the long run, how am I going to make it a daily habit, a daily discipline, a daily practice to meditate on truth and to get it into my heart? Let's just take a moment right now as we close this morning. Father God, we thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that we have a Father who is in heaven, that who rules over everything, who's all-powerful, who's in control, and who loves us so dearly. 
Thank you that we are your children through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave himself for us, who cleansed us by his sacrifice and brought us into relationship with the living God of the universe. And Lord, I just pray for my dear friends who are watching right now. Lord, I don't know each one's needs, but I I thank you that you do. You hear every cry. You see every tear. You know every heartache and every pain, every concern, every worry. And you love us. And I just pray, Lord, that the truth and the reality of your love would just penetrate deeper and deeper into our hearts to the point where it controls our minds, our hearts, our lives, our thinking in good times and in bad times, that it transforms us from the inside. Lord, so I just pray, Lord, that every one of us would have some kind of practice, some kind of plan, Lord, to get your word and your truth deeper and deeper inside our hearts and inside our, our, our souls and our spirits so that your spirit can use it to change us. So help us, each one of us, in our own way, in our own needs, even right now. And so we thank you. Thank you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.